right, everybody, we're rolling. We're rolling. Let's do the damn thing. Let's tackle this bad boy, huh? Let's all focus for a moment, okay? No more multitasking. No more attempting to multitask. Let's just be here now. Let's be here now together with a breath. <gasps> ah! That's how I breathe when I'm nervous. That's how I breathe when I'm stressed. I go, <gasps> ah! Why am I stressed? I don't know. Got the noise of the landscapers behind me, interrupting my flow. Is that the most privileged problem you've ever heard? Ugh, I'm trying to do my podcast and the landscapers are drill hammering all over the pavement to put in our new porcelain Artera Bluestone pavers, so it's been a tough morning. No, I'm not stressed. I'm good. I'm home alone, folks. I'm home alone like Macaulay Culkin slapping on that aftershave. Ah! He says in a classic scene from a movie in the 90s that would never happen. No families are leaving kids behind, right? Right? I heard somebody say that would never happen today with cell phones and technology. It would never happen back then. It's fiction. It's home alone. But there was a scary neighbor. Remember Whitebeard guy before we knew he was a sweetheart in church at the end of the movie? Whitebeard guy was scary. I'm home alone because my wife flew to Minnesota for six days. Brought one of the daughters. I got one of the daughters. Flew to Minnesota for her 20-year reunion. I can't make it, folks. I can't get on flights. My brain won't allow it. Got a little disorder called MDDS. <laughs> you know what this is. You check back in the previous episodes. I got that mal de debarkment syndrome. Oh, it's a French disorder. Mal de disembarkment. I can't wait for that to become an English disorder so it doesn't sound so weird. But MDDS can't get on a flight. So my wife scheduled this trip many months ago. And I knew it was coming. And now it's here. She's in the air right now. She's in the air. Flying into her past. Hello, classmates, she's going to say, and they're going to go, California? Or in their accent, they're going to go, California? Shani? Oh, my God, look at you. Oh, for cute. Where'd you get those spaghetti straps? Everybody, have you seen Shani's crop top? Shani's in platform heels. Hey, Holly High, class of 2003. 2002? How do I not know this? But she's headed back for the big reunion. So I stay here, home alone, moments of home alone, when the baby's napping. But still, you know I'm going to get scared tonight, like Macaulay Culkin. I'm going to get scared. In a safe neighborhood, my mind is going to go to some weird places. In the master bedroom without my wife? Oh, I'm going to picture a horror movie this evening. But I digress. Yeah. She doesn't regulate the house too hard. She doesn't regulate my life too hard. But you know I'm going to be in the same sweats for the next six days. You know I'm going to be eating and drinking everything right out the package. There will be no plates being used. You know I'm going to watch every stand-up comedy special on HBO and Netflix. And you know I'm going to watch every sports documentary ever made. I'm not painting a picture that she doesn't want that when she's home, but we try, we try to negotiate our TV habits. We try to compromise our TV habits. I'm not going to just sit there watching three hours of the Giants, and she's not just going to sit there watching three hours of Gilmore Girls. We're going to find that Venn diagram sliver in the middle. What do we want to watch as a couple? And we've been watching a show based on a podcast. That's how popular podcasts are. Think about how popular podcasts are. The most popular show right now is about a podcast 
Only Murders in the Building. You've seen it? Of course. You've seen it. You've heard of it? Martin Short, Steve Martin, big cast. We got Tina Fey, Nathan Lane, Selena Gomez. You've heard of it? It's on Hulu. It's pretty damn good. It's a murder mystery, but even more than that, it's a podcast show. It's a show about people making a podcast, people investigating a murder, investigating a murder in the building. And Martin Short is just too funny. I understand he probably dyes his hair, and I understand he's probably had a little work done, but Martin Short kind of seems like the ageless wonder. And Steve Martin, it's weird that Steve Martin is now the straight man, and I know he's evolved into the world of drama, but that was one silly bastard many years ago, and now Steve Martin, he can still be kind of funny, but that's not his role in the show. He's kind of the straight man. And of course, you have Selena Gomez, so this is why the show is for anybody ages 18 to 80. This is why it's so popular. It's perfectly casted. If they bring in a Selena Gomez along with a Steve Martin, then boom, you got my parents, you got grandparents, you got everybody's aunt and uncle talking about it. And you also have probably some kids in college watching this. Only murders in the building with Selena Gomez trying to solve every scene. She doesn't open up her mouth wide enough for the words to come out, but that's fine. She's still a great actress. She's still a big name. We're trying to find what Tim Konos was doing that night. What was Tim Konos even doing that night? I don't know. I'm exhausted. I don't even want to try to find what he was doing that night. But Tim Konos was not a good guy. Tim Konos was evil. I guess I'll be a part of the investigation. I guess so. I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to Selena, who's probably bringing in more numbers and viewers than Steve and Martin. Let's be honest. But Tim Konos is really... A piece of work, and I hope we can solve this by episode 10. I'm on episode 8. So I got two more to go in season 1, and then a yes, I've heard there's a season 2. I've heard it. But my point is, podcasts are so big right now that the biggest show is about a podcast. And you have a lot of people, you know, everybody fascinated with murder. All these shows and podcasts about murder, murder, murder. People now feel the need to become the detectives. We'll be the investigators. We're not relying on cops or law enforcement anymore. No, 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 no. We're going to put together a big board of photos. Like every movie and TV show with investigations, they got a big board of photos with thumbtacks and it's always changing and there's a maze of lines and scribbles and who's the suspect and it always changes throughout the show. God, the writers are good. Twists and turns and twists and turns. I bet it's just a bunch of writers sitting around an oval table saying, but what if we make it now? What if we make her? And then what if at the end we make this? And everybody has to fit the puzzle together at the end for an ending that's going to please the viewer. And here I sit today not knowing the ending. So seems obvious, but it won't be, right? No one wants to watch a murder mystery that's obvious. Or could that be the biggest aha of all? To say, hey, the person you thought the whole time, it's that person. Credits. Boom. How do you feel? Who cares? We got your money. Who cares? Hulu's making bazillions. I just hope we find out more about Tim Konos. I know he was on the rooftop that night, but I don't know much else. Yes, you do, Mabel. Yes, you do. How many people right now in America are attempting a murder investigation podcast? Plenty. I'll answer that for you. Plenty. I base that on nothing except for that this show is going to make more people think, hey, we can do it. We can do it. Forget the detectives. Forget the real investigators who have developed expertise. We're going to tackle this bad boy. That's America right now. Forget the journalists. We're going to break the news. You could do what you want. You could be who you want to be. In this country, everybody can have a channel. 
Everybody can have a platform. Everybody can have a voice. I'm not even being cynical about it. That is a good thing. In many ways, that's a good thing, except you're now exposed to more channels and more voices, so it makes the world feel louder. The volume is turned up higher than it's ever been turned up. In this world, you're hearing from people all over the world. You can get their thoughts. And it makes it feel like there's more doom and gloom than ever. There was an incredible New York Times article, an opinion piece, and I'm just going to read the first part, and then I want you to ponder. I'm going to read the first part of this New York Times editorial about, is the world really that bad, or does it just feel that way? Remember, this is an editorial, so you're allowed to disagree, but once I read the first part, I want you to really think about it for a moment, and it might change your entire view. It might even change your whole mindset about all the doom and gloom that you feel every day, but truly, maybe the world is better than ever. We're going to tiptoe down the path of optimism. Come with me. We're going down the path of optimism on episode 191. Come on. Come on. Hi, voice guy. Yeah, come on. Come on. Over here. Hey. All right. The whole article is incredible. So who's the writer? Let me see. His name is Max Fisher. Headline, is the world really falling apart or does it just feel that way? By most measures, with one glaring exception, people around the world are better off than ever. So why doesn't it feel that way, especially to Americans? All right, let me go word for word. Scanning the headlines, it's easy to conclude that something has broken. The pandemic, accelerating crises from climate change, global grain shortage, Russia's war on Ukraine, political and economic meltdown in Sri Lanka, a former prime minister's assassination in Japan, and in the U.S., inflation, mass shootings, and a reckoning over January 6th and collapsing abortion rights. That sense of chaos can be difficult to square with longer-term data showing that on many metrics, the world is actually becoming better off. So here the writer goes into some points. Now, you're probably ready to disagree, right? Just like I was when someone told me that. Actually, I could say the someone. It was Isaac. My friend Isaac, who's been interviewed on this podcast, he sent me the link to this story. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I got to talk about that. So the New York Times, Max Fisher writes, war is rarer today by some measures than it has been for most of the past 50 years. And when it does occur, it's significantly less deadly. Genocides and mass atrocities are less common all the time. Life expectancy, literacy, standards of living have all risen to historic highs. Also steadily declining in recent decades, hunger, child mortality, extreme poverty, liberating hundreds of millions from what they are by sheer numbers among the preeminent threats facing humanity. Now, I could read and read and read and read. Every paragraph starts to change my mind and make sense that people are actually living healthier lives right now. And someone my age might say, God, the mid-90s. The mid-90s were just so much calmer. And then this writer goes in to say, actually, the mid-90s was full of awful shit like genocides in Rwanda and Bosnia, years of war in Europe and Yugoslavia's collapse, devastating famines in Sudan, Somalia, North Korea, civil wars in a dozen countries. So he's saying the 90s were not this beacon of light of a decade. It's just people like me probably remember feeling at ease through the 90s. And now you just see the tweets and the tweets and you see the headlines and you go, oh, doom and gloom. The world is terrible right now. But this writer's doing a great job of saying, no, it's actually pretty good by comparison to other generations. But he says people don't make those comparisons. You compare your life to what feels like it was most recent during your upbringing. And then he ends it with the one thing that really is facing an erosion is democracy. So it gets into the decline of democracy, which is a really scary thought. 
But I think we're already seeing that a little bit. Then the article delves into that. But let me find the part. Hold on. Let me just scroll and scroll. Let me find the part of one of the reasons it might feel like we're all screwed. Oh, yeah. If your social media feeds and home screens serve up a steady stream of calamities, they can feed an overwhelming, if sometimes misplaced, sense of threat as if the world itself were caving in. But these are the people that are not talking about long view metrics like this writer. They're just caught in the moment. And it's true. You could be more inundated with some of the major negative stories in the world than you've ever been. And then hear a bunch of analysis that could possibly shape your mind to the point where you're no longer thinking for yourself. It's just group think based on the channels you're clicking into. So I get that. Uh, we're not having great conversations anymore. But when I say things like anymore, I'm acting like, oh, we used to have great conversations and now no one wants to listen to each other. I don't know that. I've only been around since 81. What the hell do I know? But I do know one thing. But I do know one thing. Here it goes. This could be love. That's not where I was going. I was going into this. We label people nowadays in politics as like the most bombastic, inflammatory, son of a bitch, this person based on their tweets. We look back in history and a lot of these politicians, you just see them in a black and white photo in some hot wool suit, even first ladies. And you didn't know a damn thing about their personality. You could read their Wikipedia page. You could watch a documentary, a Ken Burns documentary. She woke up in the morning. She loved her tea. And then she would walk around the farm. We don't know. I mean, they say Mary Todd Lincoln, Lincoln's wife, had mental disorders. Nowadays, she'd be talking about it on The View. She'd be tweeting. What do we know? You know, Trump got labeled. The most inflammatory, alarming, aggressive tweets. Plenty of these presidents might have tweeted that way if it was at their disposal. We don't know the deep, dark thoughts about Millard Fillmore if he was on the toilet one night in a bad mood just tweeting. You just Google Millard Fillmore and you'll see a guy in a black and white photo. And you can spend a few minutes reading the Wikipedia, but you don't know him. You don't know James Buchanan. Google James Buchanan. You know nothing. If Twitter was around back then, you'd know too much. And you'd be annoyed with him. You'd be annoyed with all these people. Martin Van Buren. Please Google Martin Van Buren just for the chops. Bald on the top, but real big bushy gray hair on the sides going into the chops. Martin Van Buren's look was the best of all time. Just Google that. But we don't, there was no Twitter in the 1840s for old Martin Van Buren to get canceled. Canceled hard. And all these first ladies we know nothing about if they were alive nowadays. If, if, if. That's the podcast. If this, if that. If this, if that. But they'd be on Jimmy Fallon dancing like Michelle Obama, dancing with Jimmy Fallon. And you go, wow, we really get to see her personality. We know her views. They can write cookbooks now. They can be yoga instructors now. They write their memoirs now. Back then, oh my God, the excitement of a Morse code telegram. Did you hear? Did you hear Mary Todd's thoughts today? She said they're low on grain, but they do have a surplus of milk. That's Mary Todd's grocery list. Dee -dee 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 -dee. Good on butter. Dee -dee 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 -dee. Mary Todd is sending 
a Morse code telegram. Is she okay? Of course she's okay. She's a dee 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 dee. Oh, Mary, with her sense of humor. She said they have enough apples to start their own applesauce company. Mary, focus on the Civil War. Morse code a little different back then than now we know everyone's views on abortion, immigration, gun control. And if you know everyone's views and it's coming at you at once because you can't resist the addictive tapping of your social media screen, then it is going to feel like, oh, this is a heavy time in the world. This is the heaviest time. But I kind of like someone shaking me, grabbing me by both shoulders and shaking me. Look, you dumb fuck. You need to understand the world is pretty good. We're making strides because for all those loud people who might be annoying you, there's more good people than ever as well. And I mean that, and I'm sticking by that. But it goes unreported. Hey, a war that's not happening. Like that New York Times article says, that doesn't get reported. Doesn't even enter your thoughts. Think of a relative of yours who's lived a long, healthy life and they're in their late 80s right now. You barely worry about that person. You just go, hey, good. Good that Uncle Lester's still alive. That's great. I'm looking forward to seeing him at Thanksgiving for a Werther's original and a story about his old textile mill. So how's the world feel today? Good? I guess it always changes. It's fluid. All feelings need to be acknowledged. If one day you say, I'm pissed, I'm angry, I'm sad, that's okay. And if another day you say, well, now I'm feeling good, you know, I'm in my flow, I'm feeling happy, that's okay. Sounds obvious, but that's the truth. If all feelings are acknowledged, if you don't try to push them down, don't repress them, don't stifle them. You just bring all feelings up and you just start juggling. Dance with all those feelings that you have for the rest of your life. You'll live a healthier life once you start trying to push them down. Once you start trying to look the other way, bottle them up, you're screwed. That's the mindful lesson of today. But connect with nature. And it's weird that it becomes a chore. Like we have to plan that on our schedules. Connect with nature. I've never hiked Land's End in my entire life. Famous San Francisco Trail. Right in the outer Richmond where it's always gray. And you could always hear the boats. How do people sleep in the outer Richmond? What is it? A horn from a lighthouse? The outer Richmond. Always gray and you get that sound at all times. But hey, people love the city because the food is so damn good. So my wife and I, we planned it. We planned. Hike Land's End for the first time. And we got there in it. Met my expectations. Actually exceeded my expectations. As beautiful as it gets. And plus there's a lot of exhibits along the trail and a bunch of signage giving you a little history about shipwrecks and the battle of guadalcanal and signs that say beware of coyote so you know i'm on my toes you know i'm ready to save my wife from a fat coyote attack i'm so ready i think i'm readier than anyone for a coyote attack i'm ready to fight a coyote that's what the signs along the land's end trail made me think of my wife probably thought i was so present with our conversation it was good conversation it was a beautiful day but still about 40% of me was focused on the coyote I was about to fight. And you could hike all around, down to the beach, hike into a cloud. It's almost like you could hike until land's end. Huh. 
but it was good. It was our workout for the day. Took some selfies, posted them all over the place, waited for likes. Just kidding. We didn't do that. We took a bunch of selfies. It was really great to connect with nature. We took a bunch of selfies. We posted them all over from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook to Twitter to Friendster to MySpace. And we just sat there in the wilderness looking for likes and comments. It was pretty great. See, I'm kidding, but I'm worried that that might be reality for people I'm currently judging. Don't judge, okay? I won't judge. You do you. You be you on the Land's End Trail with your selfies that you post and wait for the likes. And now you sound cynical. Now you sound negative. So get back to the beauty of Land's End. <gasps> Land's End. We saw seals resting on a rock. Maybe they were sea lions. I think seals. I think seals. We heard birds. We saw that beautiful bridge. SF, come on. If someone who had never been to America was visiting America and said, yeah, just like we say, I'm going to Italy this summer. I'm going to Mexico. You hear people say that. Yeah, we're going to Portugal. All right. If someone just said, yeah, I'm going to the USA. Some European said, I'm going to the USA. Where should I go? San Francisco. Just go. You like to eat? You like beauty? You like some culture? Go. And then while you're there, take some trips, Monterey down to Yosemite. Just obviously it sounds like I'm promoting California, but aren't I? My wife and I researched or we had recommendations for a bunch of restaurants and we said, let's do three lunches. This is something very weird that we committed to. We were only in San Francisco from about 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with a long hike and we still managed to have three lunches. We went to Lou's Delicatessen on Geary for a salami and avocado sandwich on that really fresh bread. And then we looked at each other and said, should we? Yeah. So we went to Hookfish on Irving. You don't think of San Francisco as a surf community, but this little restaurant, this little seafood hole in the wall was unbelievable. A plus, okay? I'm giving you a food review real quick. It's the best ahi pokey I've ever had in my life. Eyes closed type of eating. Your eyes just close. You don't even have to talk because the other person sees you have that visceral experience to that rockfish burrito. Holy shit. San Francisco, what are you doing? Steps from the sand. Not a beautiful sand community out there in the deep, deep Richmond or Sunset, wherever I was. But hey, who cares? If you have hookfish, then life's good right across the street. We had a coffee, walked around a bookstore. Oh, so adult. Look at these intellects. Having conversations about succulents and psychology and seals. And Sudoku, oh my God. Boy, did we feel smart and mature. And then you'd think we were full, right? Rockfish burrito, the salami sandwich at Lou's. And then, well, we've heard about a place called Palm City that's known for, drum roll please, you ready for this? High-end hoagies, like luxury hoagies. $20 hoagies. You don't love to spend that money, but hey, we're in the world of inflation right now. You're in the city, so you go $20 Italian hoagie. Holy moly, holy stromboli. It was a good hoagie. Like a B plus, A minus, really good. That's three lunches by the time we went to pick up our kids. It was the type of tired meat sweats that make you feel so groggy that you could fall asleep standing up. You could fall asleep sitting down on a stone bench. And I didn't know what was happening. I was like, is this because I'm 40? Why can't I move? Yeah, you're not supposed to have three lunches. But as my wife explained, my whole body was focusing its energy on digestion. So from the head up, it was just nothing anymore. Couldn't have a conversation. It was a hot day. Hot day with meat sweats coming back from the city for daycare pickup. Oh, not a good look. 
But still, if you want to do three lunches in Land's End, tell them Josh sent you. To where? I don't know. But you'll fight a coyote. Just like I almost did. I know I almost did. I always almost fight a coyote. You know why I'm so fascinated with them? And I do plan to mention coyotes on every podcast. It's because I don't remember coyotes when I was growing up. I mean, of course you remember the cartoons, the coyote and Roadrunner. But I don't remember them just coming down from the hills into our neighborhoods looking like scary dogs. I don't remember all the postings on Nextdoor of don't feed them, don't get near them. Or hearing them at night. Oh, not a great coyote impression, but you know how they sound. I remember seeing zero coyotes from age one to 17 before I moved to San Diego. And now I'm on my toes. I know they're lurking. All right, they're probably around right now. I might have to end this episode just to go tackle one. Not even an aggressive one. I think it's just time to wrestle one. I'm going to go in the hills. See, I always say if a coyote comes at me, you never thought maybe I got to go. Duke's up looking for one in the hills right now. The coyote's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. I don't want none. I go, what? Did you look at me? Did you just look at me? And the coyote's like, no, 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 no. My friend, no. I go, that's right. And now they're talking about me on Coyote Next Door. Now there's a post about me, the crazy human who comes up into the hills. What was I talking about? Nothing? Good. Hookfish? Rockfish? Burrito? So good. And now I say, let's go to the sports desk. Can I get a good sports sounder to go to the sports desk? I do have some sports chatter. This episode's got it all, folks. We got food, we got coyotes, we got the New York Times, and now for sports. (laughs) Thanks, Don. Quite a story coming out of Scotty Pippen's mouth. As I read the memoir, and it's weird. Scottie Pippen has a book out. It's called Unguarded. This is not a recommendation. I mean, if you're a hoops junkie, you probably have to read it. But after The Last Dance, which was the most incredible docuseries, you remember right in the midst of the pandemic when nobody had anything to watch because there was no sports, no nothing. ESPN releases The Last Dance. And it was great. It was just so great. Well, it wasn't great for Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was just pissed watching this because I guess Michael got paid and Michael Jordan got to have total authority over how it was edited and no other Chicago Bulls really got paid or any authority over how it was going to be presented. It was basically Michael the puppeteer. He was able to orchestrate the docuseries the way he wanted it to because we call him Jordan's Bulls, you know, and Scottie says, no, it was a total team effort. So the guy writes a full book with Michael Arkush. Not a ghostwriter, just a co-writer. I mean, the guy who was typing and Scotty was just telling the stories. But if you just read the first 20 pages, you realize the level of bitterness that Scotty Pippen has reached. It's more bitterness than I think I ever knew. I always thought that they were cool. I always thought Jordan and Pippen, probably buddies. Not even close. Never were. I didn't know that. It's interesting that sports chemistry can exist on the court or on the field. And then in the locker room, in the clubhouse, on the streets... Nothing. These are people that would not want to talk to each other, would not want to hang out, have nothing in common. But the whole book is Scotty's life, which is interesting, comes from the South, comes from poverty, comes from a very tough family background. 
where he was a caretaker for relatives who were sick, relatives who were injured. Just a good guy. Good family, incredible mom. But then his basketball career, you see, he's a come-out-of-nowhere story. Central Arkansas, you know, not a lot of scholarships, not a lot of fanfare. When Scotty entered the NBA, nobody knew who the guy was. And he has this incredible career. But the whole book is dedicated towards telling game-by-game capsules of what he was able to do and how Michael stole the spotlight. And he's like, Michael didn't pass. And in that game, Michael missed a big shot. It's just like destroying Jordan's legacy. Now, of course, he admits Jordan was great, but he's like, so was I, so was Horace, so was Paxson. So was BJ, so was Rodman, so was Luke Longley. He says we were a better dynasty than anyone. It's like written in a way that's just talking shit. It's kind of just talking trash, and it's so readable. I read it in four straight nights, but it just gives you a glimpse into how he experienced that docuseries. All right, pandemic hits, everybody goes home, sit on your couch, and now watch six straight episodes. I think it was six of this incredible footage with a bunch of great interviews just to picture Scotty going, hell no, let's write a book. And he tells his story. Scotty was always viewed as kind of quiet, right? And now he tells his story and he's loud. Turns out he was bottled up. He was bottling up those feelings for about 25 years. And now he's ready to say, and Michael did this. And Michael wasn't all that. And if you notice, Michael didn't hit the winning shot. And Michael didn't compliment my goatee. It goes from readable to then you feel kind of sorry for Scotty. For not being at peace with his career. He's not at peace with it. You could tell. You could just tell. There's a residue of bitterness all over the book. Actually, yes, I recommend it. If you're a hoops fan, if you're a sports junkie, you should read Unguarded. He's not guarding anything anymore. He used to guard his feelings and now Unguarded. The first part of the book is Michael calling him on the phone. He talks about the story of Michael's like, hey, Scott, are you upset? And he's like, yeah, I've been upset for about 30 years. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Click. What does Michael care? Smoking his cigars, drinking his fine cognacs. You got to love that part of the docuseries. Michael just had a glass of whiskey right next to him the whole time. They'd give him the iPad and he'd laugh. All right, I do want to bring up something serious. And that is if you're a parent and you want to name your kid Dennis, go two ends. You got to go two ends. Hey, parents, if you love the name Dennis and you're like, but we're going one end. You're subjecting this kid to a world of bad handwriting, making it look like penis. And I don't think you want to do that. I recently misread the name Dennis. I just saw penis. You can't do that because you have the option of double N. If I only knew Dennis was spelled D-E-N-I-S, I wouldn't even have a gripe. I wouldn't even have a qualm. But if your option is, hey, let people read it as Dennis forever and not mistake it for penis, then maybe you'll give your kid the gift of inner peace but instead if you're like you know what our baby boy our beautiful baby boy is going to have the name dennis one n that should be illegal don't do that to the kid a lot of people are turning d's into p's you know that it's just the line could be a tiny bit long on the d and people are reading penis for your kid's name you don't want that you don't need that folks this is a psa right dennis You gotta go double N, Dennis. It's a weird way to end this one, but I think I will. I have so much sweatpants time today. 
I might go on a run. I will meditate. And then I'm going to watch every sports documentary and stand-up comedy special that can come out of the glow of that giant TV screen. Actually, it's a good thing I do compromise and find common ground for TV shows with my wife because she's the one who said, hey, how about only murders in the building? Murders, can you speak? And I'm like, nah. You know, I love Steve Martin. I love Martin Short, but I don't know. A murder mystery. And she's like, just give it a whirl. And then I'm like, this critic all of a sudden, by the way, it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So who am I to be a critic? (laughs) And it was good immediately, and it's funny immediately, and Selena Gomez is good. Looking for more clues on Tim Connors. Everyone's good. But I still need that kick in the ass to say, hey, watch something you wouldn't ordinarily watch. Like Severance. That was another one where I think my wife's like, oh, sci-fi, can you handle this, Josh? And I'm like, no. And I actually left the room. And then the next day I was like, how was Severance? And she's like, yeah, it was good. So then I watched it. Same thing with Big Little Lies, Nine Perfect Strangers, Little Fires Everywhere, all these shows that I wouldn't watch. I need her. Uh Uh-oh. Is that something that happens to some husbands where you become dependent? I didn't want to become that guy. Where I get dumber, she gets smarter. And I'm just being led. Guide dogs, guide humans, guide husbands for the blind. Oh, boy. All right, it's time to go. Leave a nice rating. Leave a nice rating. You like that? I'm guiding you through the reviews of this show. Leave a nice one on iTunes. Won't you now, my friend? All right, that's uh, 191, episode 191. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 